Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. Hello, Peter. How are you? Hello, Ben. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? What? Hello? Hello? What? What was that? I don't know. Uh, we should immediately start by saying we're recording this on Thursday, and at the rate the video game industry is moving this past week... Yeah. There's a very good chance that we're going to be out of date by the time it releases on Saturday. Uh, obviously, the Xbox Series S was leaked a couple of days ago and then confirmed officially. And then the Xbox Series X was also confirmed in terms of price and when you can pre-order from. We're going to talk all about that at the end of the show, predictably in the big discussion. But mm-hmm. there's also a very, very good chance that we might get some PlayStation 5 news like um, as now while we're recording. So who even knows what's going to happen? Uh, I think they're going to announce the GameCube 2 tomorrow as oh, well. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. The game Dodecahedron. Oh, wow, yeah. That'd be Excellent. a really complicated one. Practically roll. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. That'd be fun. Really exciting. As we said, this is a video game show. It's not about the athletic competition, just just so you're aware. Mm-hmm. Um, we do this show every week, and it's really good. So good, in fact, that we get sponsored by a very real video game company each and every week. Peter has the ad read for us for this week. Ben, would you like to learn a new skill? Always. It's We're in troubling times. Unfortunately, people's some people's jobs are on the line, which is a, a horrible thing, but... Don't worry, because you can actually go out and learn a new practical, uh, handy skill that you can then offer as a service as a workman or woman. Okay. Um, so uh, just just head on down to um, a new celebrity-run uh, roofing school, mm. and you can you too can become a roofer under the the tutelage of world famous skateboarder Tony Hawk. That's okay. right. Just head on down. Uh, to Tony Hawk's Pro Slater mm-hmm. school, uh, mm-hmm. and um, you too can learn how to make a roof. Outstanding! That sounds brilliantly bespoke. I had no yeah. interest that he was so in, interested in 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 that. You know, I wasn't aware. He, he loves it. 
He's all about it, Tony Hawk. That's what he's been doing. You know you asked in the Quipscope what he's doing now. Yeah, Tony Hawk, I wonder what he's up to. He's roofing. Is he? Yeah. Okay. All the Um, time. I've got to assume then that once I have completed my course at Tony Hawk's Pro Slater, Mm. there is some sort of uh, secondary education I can pursue with the same organization to sort of further my skills. Right. Is it Tony, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Slater 2? Oh, of course. Yeah, no, it's... it's Well, it actually, um, it's a recent... They've, they've released a very recent package in, in about about a week or so ago where you do it all in one go. It's Tony Hawk's Pro Slater 1 and 2. Wow, that sounds uh, affordable. Re-rafted. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, uh, where so, can I sign up? Uh, by going to www.com. Tony Hawk's Pro Slater 1 and 2 rerafted.com forward slash sign up now today dot okay. com. Do we have a special code to enter to get any money off? Or? No. No? No. No. They We're wouldn't just, let us have one of those. Just spreading awareness. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Cool. Well, Thanks that sounds great. Let's move on then to our first question. <laughs> it's a lie. No. Oh, we got so far this week. Oh, I got you. I nearly, you nearly thought it was real that time. I really did. I was just, I was just going to get on with the show. Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. Well, really, at least I wasn't the only one fooled, right? Look at all these gobsmacked faces, presumably. Oh, at look home. at them all. Who, who knows? Uh, no, we're not sponsored by Tony Hawk's Pro Slater 1 and 2 Rerafted Edition. Uh, we are, of course, sponsored by our wonderful patrons each and every week. That's patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month, that's 25 cents or about 20 British pennies Ooh. per week. You can not only support us financially, but you can also ask questions for the show. That's patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Get access to the questions post on a Tuesday, put together the document on a Wednesday, record on a Thursday. I've made that joke before, Mm. that Craig David joke, but it's okay. It's a good one. Never gets old, just like Craig David. Mm. Yeah, true. He's he's looked the same for for 25 years. He's immortal, man. He is immortal. Uh, So if you'd like to be immortal too, why not consider visiting patreon.com forward slash team triple jump? Just la- no, where are we walking? No. Oh. Nearly, nearly. <laughs> you, you caught it. Just uh, Maybe we should be walking just along a rooftop. Yeah, I like that. Uh, to, uh, Tony Hawk's pro slated roof. Yeah, let's do it. You okay. can really see the craftsmanship in that pro slated roof. Yeah, look at all those slates. They've been properly, yeah, professionally slated. It's, Tony Hawk's professional slater. It's it's weird that there's a big eyeball with a spike through it. <laughs> yeah. On the roof. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. But, uh, it's true. Anyway, uh, sorry, just like... Uh, just like Dan Scott, who says, Hello again, boys. Have you ever suffered from post-game blues? By which I mean, have you ever finished a game that you became obsessed with to the point of start, to, to the point that starting a new game was impossible because all video games just seem inferior to the game you just fell in love with? Maybe you've even tried and subsequently given the boot to some excellent games because they just didn't compare. I ask this because I just finished Persona 4 Golden on Steam and now nothing else really appeals to me as I take time to reflect on what I've just finished. Love you both. Love you too, Dan. We love you too, Dan. Thank you so much. Um, I can honestly say I've never never truly had this. I've certainly had the, the post-game blues in the sense that you get, like in the same way when you, when you finish a movie or a book, or something like that, and you're like, oh, you know, I feel like I've I've lost 
I've lost a, a thousand friends now, all those characters that I kind of felt attached to and now they're gone because mm-hmm. I've finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've certainly had that um, many, many times. But in terms of actually having played a game that I enjoyed so much that everything else didn't seem that good by comparison or, or unappealing at least, I don't think I've ever really had that experience. I've heard other people talk about it, but um, no, I... I it's a bit of a boring answer, but my really? answer is no, Peter I'm afraid. Peter Austin hates video games. Yeah, Peter Austin has never enjoyed a video game enough that it's made other games look bad. Oh, wow. Um, okay, what about a slight rephrase where when you finished a game, it had such a lasting effect on you that you just sort of needed to take a minute and not play games for a bit? Yeah, Whether that be um, emotionally draining or sort of a sense of a com- pride and accomplishment, I, I think again though, like I I I don't get any, I don't feel like I get that much um, uh, fatigue after playing a game in terms of like before moving on to the next. Like okay. it's not that I've not played excellent games that even you know they they feel better than others in comparison. But it's it's never stopped me from wanting to move on straight away to something else. And likewise, uh, you know I've I've certainly played games that are harrowing or eye-opening or you know make you reflect on on certain things but uh it doesn't tend to then make me not want to start a new game for a while you know if i want to play a game i'll just play a game it might be that i don't have time to play a new game uh going forward and you know for the rest of that week or whatever but it's not because of uh, the effect of the previous game i um, see yeah so oh, wow. not really what about you well, unfortunately, I'm I'm not um, strongman Peter Austin, and I'm not immune to the charms of video games all right. the time. Uh, so, Persona Four Golden actually is a very good example because that is definitely one that, for me, I got completely obsessed with and sort of fell in love with all those characters in that world. And I had my I had my in-game daily routine of studying and then going to hang out with uh, my in-game uh, best girl of choice. And then, you know, doing some late night work at the bar and leveling up various social links and all that kind of stuff. And I loved that game. Mm. Oh, God, sorry. I wasn't actually getting choked up there. I just just had a hiccup. Um, (laughs) Sounded sounded like it really got the better of me reminiscing. (laughs) But it's not. Okay, so shut up. Um, Yeah. No, uh, Persona 4 Golden is fantastic. And that was when I finished it, I did feel like I had a big hole in my life. I was mm. like, oh, man, the way you put it about, you know, finishing a book and feeling like you lost a thousand friends. That's what that felt like. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, it's gone now. It's done. Mm. And if I play it again, I already know all these people. It'll be like uh, like some cruel Groundhog Day thing where I get to start from scratch and they're all getting to know me for the first time. But <laughs> I already know everything about them and it just feels wrong, you know. Mm. So that one was a bummer. Uh d- Again, I've got sort of. I think I've discussed it before. I've got. I've got. I. Th- I want to call it video game am- amnesia, where if it was literally two years ago or longer, I sort of just forget about everything that I experienced from a game. Right. I- I'll need to be reminded of the game before I can speak on it because I just sort of compartmentalize it in my brain, and it just mm. goes away in a little box, and I forget about it. Um, God of War was definitely one that when I finished it, I was really kind of sad because I don't know what I was expecting from that game. This is the 2018 one. Um, But 
there are all these different Norse realms that you that you visit, and I sort of got the impression from the setup that you would visit all of them, which right. you don't. Obviously, setting mm-hmm. itself up for a sequel, and you also don't see all of the the famous Norse gods again. Setting itself up for a sequel, and I think in my heart I knew that I wasn't going to see all these places, but my brain was telling me, "No, it's it, you'll be fine. Like just keep going. There's there's loads. You know, you're gonna go. You're gonna see all of your favorite people, and go to all of these amazing places. This game is gonna run you." thousands of hours and yeah. and then you know it finished and i was really bummed out because it's so good and i just wanted to keep playing and experiencing more of that world um oblivion was another one mm-hmm. where i finished uh finished oblivion um or at least i played a lot of oblivion um and then you know after the i, I think i spoke about it a couple of weeks ago i would leave it and and after a while i just think oh man I missed that game. Yeah, yeah. Really, no, of course. Really want to get back in there. Um, but are you? Are the? But are these? Do, do these feelings of missing a game or feeling bummed out that it's over? Did they make you not play a new game for a while? Is 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 my point? Because I've got. I I could also list a lot of games that gave me a similar feeling, but I don't think they, um, kind of put me off starting anything else or made other things look bad in comparison. Well, it, Persona Four Golden was definitely that. Less right. less so Oblivion, you know. Obviously, mm. I went on to play other stuff, but then it it lingered in my heart. Yeah. Afterwards, yeah. Uh, God of War being a big the big open game that it is, or sort of open linear, however you want to describe it, that left mm. a big hole, and I didn't really want to play anything after that because right. I think there were a lot of open world games released. Well, there just are all the time, mm. and sometimes you just need a little break afterwards, just because of that open world fatigue. Um, a great way to remedy that, though. Because Mass Effect 2 is is one of my favorite games, and I loved all the characters in that, and I was obsessed with that game. A brilliant way to avoid sort of leaving a game behind and feeling very sad and not wanting to play anything else is to force yourself to get trophies. Because going through that game on the hardest difficulty nearly killed me. It was right. the worst thing. So when I finished it, I was like, oh, thank God I am done with this game. Whereas if I'd mm. just finished my playthrough and then left it, I would have probably been really quite sad. And I was quite sad because it was yeah. such a brilliant experience. And on the other hand as well, that's the good thing about trophies is not just to uh, to to make you so mad that it's so hard mm-hmm. now that you're glad that it's over, but but also when you do your initial like your your first completion of the, of a story if there are trophies to go back and play maybe not some of the really hard ones that are going to frustrate you uh it's just like you know it's just like bonus content it's like oh well i might be done but at least you know i can go back either with a new game plus or a level select and you know i've got to defeat 50 people with a with an with an air dash or i've yeah. got to find all of the secret uh pigeon droppings or whatever mm-hmm. um, get those and, pigeon droppings yeah, it's just bonus content, um, which kind of, I mean, that almost goes without saying. But yeah, that's the good thing about trophies and uh, in-game achievements and things like that, or unlockables. And it gives you gives you a reason to go back straight away if you really want to, without having to just rehash the same story exactly as you've just done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, in Dan's case, I don't think people look at Steam achievements as... Uh, no. Or look on them as, as fondly as, as uh, Xbox achievements or PlayStation trophies. Mm. Uh, so, and also the Persona 4 Golden Platinum is horrible. So, best of luck. 
with that <laughs> if you decide to do it. Yeah. Well, there we go. Oh, well, there we go. Um, it's time for a cutting edge segment, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than dwell on dwell on the past of of old games that we miss, let's look to the future with something new and fresh and exciting. Uh, not run this by you yet, Ben, but I call it what we play in. What is that? Is that a question? Yeah, what we play in. It's what we play in time, Peter. What we play in. We play in all kinds of things on. The consoles and PCs, mm. as as you might expect. Um, I have, uh, on stream, I've been continuing with my Crash Bandicoot run in preparation for Crash 4. I've non-100%ed Crash 2, and I'm moving on now. I was going to uh, try and 100% it, but, God, I was it was slow going. Um, it's the game I know the least well. So uh, just moving on to Crash 3, which I know and enjoy from start to finish. So looking forward to that. Mm. Uh, but... Outside of streaming, I've mostly just been playing uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Huh? Uh, remastered. It's not officially called that, but yeah, the 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 remake, the remaster. It's a remake. It's a remake, yeah. It is, yeah. Um, and uh, oh, really, really enjoying that game. It's just, you know, as I said in the Quipscope, <laughs> some people are calling it like the best remake or, or remaster ever made. Mm-hmm. Um which I don't think it is in those broad terms. But I do think that really, like, in terms of a Tony Hawk's remake, it's kind of perfect in that, you know, that game, that that uh, genre or that style of game doesn't have, like, a super, super high bar to hit. I think once you've got the actual skating controls and movement and muscle memory nailed down then all you really need to do after that is you know do a nice uh uh you know pretty version of all the levels they've hidden a few extra objectives and collectibles around um you know they've they've added a few quality of life touches they've done all that and you know i don't think i don't think it was um it that, that they could have gone far wrong and uh they they've released a pretty much a perfect Tony Hawk's remake, I would say. I think all I would maybe do is really add a lot more to the creator skater. So it's more like, um, you know, the the character creation stuff you see in like an RPG or something like that, like an open world fantasy game mm-hmm. with sliders and color pickers and, well, it does have color pickers, but lots of sliders and things like that, which it doesn't have. Uh, but it doesn't really matter because, for one thing, you can't see your character's face for most of the time when you're playing that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's the only thing where they could have maybe taken it a step further. But, you know, the creator park is pretty great um, and uh, it just plays exactly as you want it to. So I don't really see what else they could have done. And uh, hats off to them, really. Amazing. So yeah. Tony Hawk presumably is absolutely thrilled about yeah. this. I'm sure because it wasn't going so well his his branded games before this. No. Um yeah, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's a happy man. I've not seen actually his because I think he does um he's got like a Twitter and he's got a bit of a social media presence so yeah. I maybe should see what he's been saying and uh whether he's uh kind of commented on how well it's been received. What's the guy who invented like most of the the skate tricks because there's there's two there's two styles, right? There's there's what are they called with with skating? There's the one that Tony does 
right. which is sort of a bit more straight-laced and technical. And then there's sort of street uh, skating tricky tricky boys. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know the but... terminology. Basically, it was one of the original skaters, and he had, I think, the lowest rating in the original games, despite being the best at doing tricks in real life. And oh, I watched a really? video before this game came out where they all sort of reunited, all of them, you know, in their late 40s, <laughs> early 50s or whatever. Yeah. And he just seemed so nice. And he just went up to Tony and like on camera was, was, just, was just saying, I just want to thank you so much for all of this. You know, you changed all of our lives with, with this game by including us. And uh, yeah, just thanks so much. And I was like, oh, that's really, that's really sweet. Yeah. That's nice stuff. Because this, you know, goodness From the knows. guy who was given the worst stats. Yeah, they did make a joke about that. He said, what did you do right. to annoy the developers uh, mm. for them to do that to you? Um, but yeah, it, it, this, this game changed the lives, clearly, of the skaters involved. And now it stands a chance to do the same thing to the new skaters involved. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because uh, there are a whole bunch of new fresh faces in there mm. so good luck to those people amazing um, and it, it may well also uh kind of uh excite young people like players mm-hmm. uh into like trying out skating for themselves much like the game did originally yeah um you know i think it, it was responsible for a lot of people wanting to learn how to skate absolutely um in the in the 90s so uh yeah maybe it'll happen all over again i'm gonna wait uh, not just because there's so much to play at the moment, and I'm, it turns out recent uh, experience has taught me that I'm absolutely horrible at Tony Hawk's games. Right. Uh, but I'm going to wait until it's £20 mm. in Argos, and then I'm going to okay. recreate a moment from my childhood that's that's very... It really sticks out in my head where I went to Argos and I'd saved up £20 and mm. I bought Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for myself for the playstation one and i remember that i remember Do you doing think it will that. ever be 20 pounds ah, i mean yeah eventually yeah. doesn't matter when <laughs> i'm gonna make it happen i mean what's gonna happen first peter is the game gonna get to 20 pounds or is argos gonna go out of business well, me and you might be able to do uh, a Tony Hawk style fifty-year-old men reun- like reunion thing. Oh yeah, me and you as old men. Mm-hmm. And at that time, maybe finally, yeah. the game will be worth twenty pounds. So me and you'll be able to like sort of get together on camera, and you'll be able to mm-hmm. be able to say to each other, "Oh, oh, Ben, oh, Peter, I just want to thank you for for everything you did. You changed my life doing videos with me back in <laughs> in the twenty tens. Oh, uh, let's go to Argos and buy Tony Hawk's. I'm not making it to finally twenty pounds. I'm no. not making it to fifty. Live not unless live you start fast. skating or something. No, well that's it. Maybe I will. Maybe yeah. I'll start skating. We'll see. We'll mm. see. Well, it sounds great. Yeah, it really is. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. I've been playing multiplayer as well, local multiplayer. That's that's mm. fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, but what about you, Ben? What have you been playing? If you if there is so much to play right now, <laughs> tell me. Well, there is because I would love to play some t- 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 mm. one and yeah. two. Uh, but there's also uh, Perilon Gorgon, the the new expansion DLC for the Outer Worlds has just come out. I've got a code for it. Oh, I don't know when I'm yeah. going to play that. Borderlands mm-hmm. 3 DLC is out on Friday. Don't know when I'm going to play that. Uh, there's there's just too much. There's mm. just too much going on currently. I have been playing a bit more Avengers. I have finished the story mode. And as I was a bit concerned last week, 
yes, absolutely. Several of the story missions take place in those bland multiplayer environments with lots of uh. objectives to do. Um, and there's just some there's just some voiceover over the top while you go through it, which is so sad because the missions that are proper single-player bespoke narrative missions are full of set pieces and they're really exciting and it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's really good fun. So I've finished it now and I've just been dipping into a few of the multiplayer missions and I feel like the matchmaking is terrible because now all I literally all I have available to me are these bland multiplayer missions where mm. they're in an open environment or they're in a lab or a bunker and they all contain the same objectives over and over again and it's just sort of the gameplay loop of getting gear and changing your gear and leveling up your gear and yeah. leveling up your selected um superhero which for me is black widow because i find her the the best to play as and the most enjoyable to play as and um it really does feel like a grind and you you do have an option to just uh join a quick game so people who are who are just looking for someone else to join their team uh, or you can just start a mission and wait but i have literally never had more than one other human player with me at a time I've never oh, been gosh. able to find a third player ever. I've, I've, I, it, they, it just doesn't match make me with anyone, and I don't know if I'm alone in that. I gave it a Google and I couldn't find anything, but the keywords were, they were revealing some unhelpful search results. So I don't know if it's just difficult to Google something that specific. Mm. But I've, I've never found a third person. I'd, I've, I imagine wow. it would be way better because the missions have power ratings based on you know the level of your gear because of course they do and. Mm. You can quite easily get away with doing ones that you are not the right level for if you have a if you if you're doing it with someone who is an actual player because the AI is dumber than a sack of rocks. Oh god. And there's there's some objectives where you have to basically do uh domination from Call of Duty, where there's three points and you mm. have to stand on them to capture them, but then they can be captured by the enemy. And you get better gear if you get a full five-star rating for a mission, again, because of course you do. And if you're, it's sort of first to 100% wins, and if the enemy gets 25%, then you lose a star. And when you're doing it on your own with a complement of AI Avengers, they don't, surprisingly, they don't go for the objectives. So if someone says, you know, oh... One of the aim is trying to hack into the system or get me out of their system and you're losing one of the command points. You have to go sort it out. And then if they go attack another one while you're doing that, you've lost it, basically, because yeah. your AI partners aren't doing it. It's just, it's it's sitting now, I don't know where it's sitting on Metacritic, actually. It's sitting lower. Last time I checked, it was on 69, which is obviously very nice. But also, nice. I think, accurately reflects the game because it's very, very pretty and it's very competent, but it's it's confused about what it wants to be and it doesn't do, uh, as I've said before, it doesn't do uh, what it's ripping off from other games as well as those games do it, mm. which is a real shame. Uh, the only reason I've sort of carried on playing is because I'm sort of a, a slave to the to the loop of grinding in games. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not against doing that. It's why I finished Wolfenstein, but also I'm just desperately waiting for a new game to come along that I can yeah. play instead. Uh, so I will probably stop playing that once I've uh, got the Outer Worlds DLC and things. And, you know, the nature of the game is that it will continue to evolve and they'll add more missions and stuff like that, but they will all 
you know, even if they have a little cutscene in them, they will all take the form and the shape of these missions with the same objectives, maybe in just slightly different environments. And uh, that's what you're going to get from Avengers. And that's a real shame. Yeah. Well, a real shame. It is a shame because I know that many people were really looking forward to that. Yeah. And were hoping for a very different experience. So. Yeah. Bit of a bummer. Uh, very quickly, yeah. also played Kingdoms of Amalur, Re-Reckoning. Oh, yes. You mm. can go and watch the quipscope all about my thoughts on that. I think someone said it, put it very well in um, in in a review tagline that I read when I was just having a glance at the, the Wikipedia where they said that it doesn't so much feel like a remaster as it does uh, just an opportunity to play it on current-gen consoles. Because they haven't yeah. done anything to it. It's exactly the same. The load times aren't great. I streamed it last night at the time of recording and I had a bug where someone I needed to speak to was invisible and I couldn't talk to them. So uh. I had to reload it. It didn't work. And then I had to reload the checkpoint and then they were there. So that's sort of the level right. of, of quality we're speaking about with uh, with this remaster. Nothing against the original game. It's still very good. Um, but they've THQ Nordic have really THQ Nordic'd it. Yes. They've they've nordicked it really as have. usual, but there we go. That's well, what I've been playing. Oh well, thanks for the insights. <laughs> you're you're welcome. Uh, would you like to read question two for us? Certainly. This is from Brian Hart. Hey gents, I hope you and your loved ones are doing well. The C virus pandemic has become an important cultural moment, changing the way we see things around the world. As an as another recent cultural moment, the war in Iraq seems to seemed sorry to shift FPS settings to the Middle East, and villains were often terrorists. In what ways do you think that the pandemic will change video game tropes in the future? Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. It's a good question. It's a good point. It certainly is a big cultural moment. It will, without a doubt, be in history textbooks and things mm. uh, in not so many years' time. Um... But I, you know, I wonder, well, I, I can see it like, I can see certain aspects of it making it into games and other parts not so much. So I do wonder when um, masks will start showing up as standard in games, like maybe either just like NPCs wearing them. Cosmetics. Um, and, and well, so you say cosmetics, like there's actually, I forgot to mention this in my uh, quip scope. There is a mask available in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Character Creator. Nice. There's one in Borderlands uh, Three. They patched them in. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they told us about them, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, they. Uh, yeah. It's under the the facial hair selector. <laughs> That's great. It's true. I on. do get ID'd when I'm buying alcohol and I wear my mask because it hides my uh, hides my beard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it hides bl- <laughs> blonde. Blonde boy with beard. Yes. You're just blonde just boy. Just blonde at that boy, point. literally. You have young eyes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Now let me um, buy my sad juice. <laughs> please. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, depending on when video games are set, um, in in like in what year they're supposed to be set, mm. maybe the, uh, there'll be sort of masks thrown in onto NPCs and things like that, just to kind of make it look like it actually does look at the moment mm-hmm. in 2020. Uh, but whether it will 
properly affect video game narratives, whether the C virus will become a video game villain in some way, <laughs> in the same way that terrorists have done yeah. in FPS games. I don't know about that. I can see maybe there being some interesting indie games about lockdown, you know, that are just like set in one room or, mm-hmm. you know, just things like that. It's, I can I can definitely see quirky little little things coming out from, from that whole uh, situation. But um, I don't think that the C virus will have as much of an effect as, you know, the war in Iraq seemed to have in terms of, uh, you know, as Brian says, sending a lot of FPS games to the Middle East, you know, having terrorist villains. Um, you know, I think video games already, the, the video game world already has its own diseases and pandemics mm-hmm. and world ending things. We've got cordyceps and uh, the T virus and things like that. So, and the C virus. And the C virus, in fact, yeah. Um, so it's, it's probably not going it, to... It's something that video game developers have already been playing with, really, over the years. So in, in some ways, it's nothing new to them. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I think in some ways, yes. In some ways, not so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. We're already seeing it affecting some popular culture. You know, masks are already featured in a lot of adverts now. Uh, KFC yeah. finally dropped the finger-licking good uh, slogan oh, yeah like as recently oh, as a few weeks ago that. which is a shockingly slow turn of events uh from, <laughs> from their perspective um but you're right games are escapism um th- those set in sort of a contemporary realistic setting you're right like certain indie games and stuff like that they may start to include elements that are that are true to real life but it's also worth remembering that games take a very long time to make and mm, yeah. most games in production now will probably be either too far along to include them, or they might just want to, again, sort of treat games as the escapist media that they are. You know, we don't necessarily want to play games to be devastated, The Last of Us Part Two. Sometimes that's mm. good, and sometimes that's worth experiencing. But, you know, if you had to play Fall Guys and it was socially distanced, for example, that would be absurd. You know, it just wouldn't, it just doesn't always translate. So while, um, while we totally get your point, Brian, about how the, the Iraq war was sort of uh, co-opted by uh, video games and other popular media, TV shows, movies, that kind of stuff, you may well see some elements, but there's a good chance that actually games will not pretend that this doesn't exist um, so much as they don't include it because real life is depressing enough. Yeah, I remember um, a a month or so into lockdown, um, some of the soap operas were hitting the headlines because they were kind of running out of episodes or they were going to have to do episodes every other day rather than every day in order to like make it last. Um, And back then there wasn't actually as much of a um, a, a wear your face coverings thing going on in the UK. There was, you know, very much a case of wash your hands and things like that. But um, I remember reading that certain soap operas were thinking when they sort of from from this point on, if and when they start making new episodes, they were only going to possibly like allude to coronavirus if that you know maybe not even at all um rather than have you know suddenly start like setting up a load of storylines and having people walking around distancing and stuff um however that was as i say early on in lockdown in the uk and now there is i i would say a lot more pressure on 
people and companies to wear face coverings, for example. So I do wonder whether now that like people on TV soaps are going to have to be wearing masks when they're wandering around their fake streets and things just to mm. for continuity or whether, as you say, because it's a sort of a kind of an escapist thing, are they going to be now set in an alternate world where there isn't well, there is no a sea virus problem and they're not going to be wearing masks? I think they are probably. actually acknowledging it. I don't watch yeah. soaps, but I had um, no, some family either, but... visit uh, a couple of weeks ago and they were saying, I don't know which one, but they were saying how they are now wearing masks and socially distancing in, right, in, yeah. in the world. So mm. that's... I can see them doing that now. I think early on they, right. they were saying they didn't want to address it that much. But I think it would actually be a bad move PR-wise to sort of ignore it or pretend it wasn't happening now. And also it would be really hard to shoot too. Like, yeah, of course. It would be really hard to mm. shoot that. So unless mm. they, you know, keep all the actors and their families locked <laughs> to the set. Yeah. Whereas you can do that with video games if you wanted to. You know, if you wanted to do a world without masks and distancing, um, obviously you have to be safe in the actual mocap process or voice acting process. But, you know, within the digital world, you can have people kissing and licking fingers and mm. things, if you like. Yeah, finger yeah. licking good. Mm, delicious. delicious. Okay, it's time to move on Brian. to something very, very strange. Are you? Oh, no, I haven't got my thing. Are you ready? Have you got paper? Oh, uh, I have. Yeah, I have paper last oh, week. Okay. Yeah, I've got my. I've got okay. it. Okay, it's time for weird news. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's weird news time. Welcome to weird news. Peter, you have some strange video game news for me, Christopher? I do. It was sent uh, to me via DM by Milburn at Milburn on Twitter. We know that one. We do know that one. Um, and also uh, it was tweeted to both you and me uh, by Mark Hopkins at the, that smiling robot on Twitter. 
Ah. Um, this is according to I. I thought I had this open in a tab, but apparently I've closed it. Let me just reopen it. There we go. Okay, okay. Uh, here we go. Um, it's according to IGN, um, who now want me to whitelist them. Agree to cookies. I consent. Okay. Uh, programmer has made 1993's Doom playable on a pregnancy test. Oh boy! Yeah, it's, it's a demon. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Um, in fact, yeah, the the subtitle of the article is "It's a Doom Guy." Oh, I don't think that's as go. good. Hmm. Uh, this is written by Adam Bankhurst, as I say on IGN.com. Um, Foon Turing. I don't know how that first name is pronounced. F O O N E. Foon. Foon. Foony. Turing. Foony. Turing is a, a, a California-based programmer and has made 1993's Doom playable on a pregnancy test, truly taking the Will It Run Doom challenge to another level entire, entirely. Uh, they took to Twitter to share their progress in making video games playable on a pregnancy test, including Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up and The Dancing Stick Bug. But uh, the oh, making did I say video games? They were making videos playable okay. on a pregnancy test. Um, but the clips of it running videos of Doom and the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim were what caught the eye of many in the gaming world. So this is how it started, is that I, I saw this at the time. He was running a video of Doom playing on a pregnancy test, like digital display, where it says, you're pregnant, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and he said in the tweet, this is not me playing Doom on the screen this is me just running a video of doom footage but immediately people took to news sites and were retweeting it and stuff saying oh my god a guy's got doom running on a pregnancy test um however he then did actually manage to do it so uh ah. it's important to note that they did not uh, replace the display and microcontroller. So the only part of the original tester is in the shell. I don't know what any of that means. Um, however, getting Doom running and playable on a 128 by 32 pixel monochrome display at 1 BPP is still an impressive feat. Um, so it's a monochrome display, meaning that it's it's just black, and then it can either have a pixel that's lit up or not. Mm -hmm. So you can just imagine what it actually looks like and of course you can click the link in the link dump under the video version of this podcast to have a look yourself um foon's work is another uh, is another in the legend of the will it run doom challenge that has seen the classic first person shooter become playable in minecraft on a microwave a leapfrog kids toy and even chandler's laptop from season two episode eight of friends from 1995 <laughs> right wow okay. Um, so it's uh, it, you have to see it to believe it, but um, there is there is footage of Doom running on a pregnancy test digital display, and hats off to the person who managed to get it get it going. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, what what will stuff. they think of next? I, I have no idea. Uh, ben. Yeah. News me. I have a news here from PC Gamer. This was written by Christopher Livingston, and the title of this article reads, This Crusader Kings 3 player ate the Pope. Right. Are you ready? Yes. 
In a grand and sprawling strategy like Crusader Kings 3, it's important to have a personal goal along with the never-ending list of general objectives you want to accomplish. For Crusader Kings enthusiast and Reddit member Zach7062, that personal goal came very quickly upon beginning the game. His goal was to eat the Pope. When I saw Zach7062's post on Reddit stating that he had conquered every holy site, defeated three separate crusades, and reformed the Norse religions to include cannibalism just so he could eat the Pope, well, <laughs> I had to know more, so I reached out for comment. Please stop autoplaying videos. Zach told me via Reddit message he had heard in Crusader Kings 3 you could reform the pagan faiths, one of Zach's favourite features from CK2, which he's played about 800 hours of. Wow. Zach began his first game of Crusader Kings 3 in 800 in the year, sorry, 867, and settled on Norse ruler Halfdan Whiteshirt Jarl of Jorvik, which of course we know, Peter, is... York. York. Wanting to see what kind of options... Uh, I'd have for reforming the faith, uh, Zach told me. I popped open the faith screen to check out what tenets were available. As I scrolled, an option caught my eye. Ritual cannibalism. One of my favourite achievements in CK2 was Holy Smoke, sacrifice another religion's head as Norse or Aztec pagan. It was then, before a single day had ticked over, that I knew what I must do. It was my destiny. I was going to eat the Pope. Playing as Halfdan, Zack told me, he conquered Mercia and Wessex, followed by parts of Ireland and all of Scotland. Halfdan died, but Zack took over playing as his son Ragnar, who finished unifying the British Isles. The Pope, uneaten at that point, launched a crusade <laughs> for England, but due to some strategic alliances, marrying every single female in my family to random pagan leaders, as Zack put it, Ragnar managed to hold back the crusade while stocking his dungeon with Catholic prisoners. Taking over as Ragnar's son, Bjorn, Zack decided to burn those Catholics, which generated hundreds and hundreds of piety points, thanks to the human sacrifice tenet. Bjorn then began conquering holy sites to reform the Norse faith and develop a particular appetite. I had heard that stress can cause people to do strange things, he said. So through the power of many, many mental breakdowns and eating because I'm sad, I was given the option to request special food. Oh. With Bjorn now a cannibal and after defending against another crusade, the Norsemen sacked Rome and acquired a very special prisoner with a very large hat. When you've imprisoned someone, you can execute them, and if you're a cannibal, you can both execute and eat them. As Zach put it, Pope was back on the menu, boys. <laughs> According to Zach, it took him about 100 in-game years and about 15 real-world hours to accomplish his goal of consuming the Pope. As you can see in the screenshot above, beheading and devouring Pope Gregorius VI had a few effects. Notably, it lowered his stress by 40 points. Oh. I also love the line, As I have a fair reason, no one will think me a tyrant. I imagine a bunch of citizens hearing the news that Bjorn had decapitated and eaten the Pope and just sort of nodding. Yeah, that sounds fair. And finally, <laughs> eating the Pope comes with a 20% chance of becoming ill. Bjorn did, in fact, get sink, get sink, sorry, get sick after dining on Pope meat. And he almost died, Zach said, but such is the price for salvation. Mmm, absolutely. Wow. It looks like a very versatile game. I saw a, a, a silly playthrough of it the other day on YouTube of a guy who was just, you know, deliberately trying to do silly strange things like that yeah. but uh i like that aspect to it that if if someone has slighted you or if they're your enemy or if if you have due diplomatic cause you can do things like imprison people or execute people 
and um, not be seen as a tyrant for doing it. But mm. I love the idea that just because you're at war with the Pope, it makes it okay to eat him and yes. people won't think it's tyrannical of you. I do love the the single-minded goal going through three generations of this, yeah. of this uh, Viking family just to eat the Pope. That is really fun. That's so Brilliant. strange. What a game. Yeah. So there we Fantastic. go. Very weird. Very, very weird news there. Um, it's question three time now. Mm-hmm. This is from Like a Glove, oh. who says, Small Pete and Speedy Ben, I've had a nostalgic week getting hold of an N64 emulator and playing some of my old favourite games. However, however, I noted that some games I remember being godly are just okay is what it says. Mm-hmm. Okay hyphen dly. I think dly. I think much of my nostalgia comes from playing with my mates. For example, I loved Super Smash Bros. and GoldenEye on N64, based upon my memories with my cousin. And SmackDown, Know Your Role, and Conker's Bad Fur Day on my many all-nighters with one of my mates, Joel. However, playing solo just doesn't feel the same. Are there any games you remember fondly, based upon experiences with friends, yet they don't stick don't stick up to the memories, he says, <laughs> playing back solo? Much love, Glove. Thank you, Thank Glove. You glove. Um, I, I tend not to revisit too many of my old favorites and, Mm. um, the sort of games that we used to play in multiplayer growing up, like Time Splitters and, uh, what's it called? Guitar Hero, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, you know, that, those kinds of games. And honestly, I've never really revisited those. And when we did revisit Time Splitters, we played it together, but Mm. I can well imagine that if I played Time Splitters by myself... I'd probably feel a bit sad and empty because it's not yeah. really something I've ever played by myself. So I I think it's largely multiplayer centric games, but I do have a, a few contemporary um, examples, mm-hmm. uh, both Dark Souls and Bloodborne. I do not get the same enjoyment playing those alone as I do in co-op with friends because right. so many of my memories are written in my mind and in the minds of my friends as us all coming together with our monstrously designed characters to mm. over, you know overcome bosses and threats and trying everything we can to defeat this stupid unfair boss and then finally doing it. Yeah. And doing it alone is not only a different kind of challenge but it's also just it it for me just makes the world feel a little less magical. Right. Um, the same thing goes for Call of Duty 4's campaign there was a Call of Duty for Modern Warfare Remastered that was on PlayStation Plus a while ago. And I used to play the multiplayer of that religiously back in the day. So much so that when it came out um, on Plus, I didn't, I think it was about a year ago, I didn't actually, I, d- I didn't even want to touch the single player because I think all I could think of was the multiplayer. And it kind of made me sad because I I played so much of it. And I was playing multiplayer with friends as well. But Mm. the idea of playing that game solo just made me sort of yearn for playing the multiplayer with some friends. Yeah. No, I I definitely... My my first thought was actually Time Splitters as well. Um, Mm. But I I have played that game solo and co-op. And it's interesting because if you play... um, 
well of course there's there's not just the the co-op mode there's actually multiplayer you know deathmatch modes and things like that but mm-hmm. um you know even just talking about the story if you play the uh the the co-op campaign it's actually missing a few like little bits and bobs from the single player um you know there are this there are supposed to be um moments in the single player version where Cortez ends up on his own or you know there's like certain scripted bits where your companion in that level um will be like saying stuff and pointing at pointing things out to you which they don't do when uh, your friend is in control of that character um so you arguably like you you lose a, a little piece of uh, a little portion of content in playing uh, on co-op mode however there's so much more fun to be had in that game uh, in multiplayer mode that i think yeah i i would much rather play that with friends than um single player and again, it's got it's got bots for offline, well not offline, uh, but uh, non non split screen multiplayer. But um, you know, I I would rather play deathmatch with a friend and some bots than mm-hmm. just a bunch of bots. Um, but time splitters aside, I also I have to agree with like a glove in terms of Goldeneye. I think that game has aged really badly. Yes, um, and a lot of people haven't been back to play it since the nineties and have it. You know, they hold it in very high regard. But just try picking up Goldeneye and playing it. Partly from a just a mechanical point of view, you know, it's not easy. Um, but also, yeah, it's it's another one that I think relies on having friends to be um, as fun as you remember it. Um, but uh, one that I, I discovered slightly more recently was when I played Halo 1 on stream. I played the campaign through. And although I've played Halo 1 and 3 and a bit of 2 um, on solo many times, um, I've also played them on co-op mode for the campaign. And yeah, I, I very much discovered playing Halo 1 back that, man, this is way more fun with friends. Like so much more fun mm-hmm. with uh, with a... Uh, with a buddy by your side because I don't know I just I, I made my way through the story I was trying to talk to the audience about what was going on and I just kind of thought I just kind of felt like it it felt a bit like a means to an end really like I was just I was aiming for the ending rather than enjoying the moment um, and uh, the one other one I've just thought of as well is that uh, I think I've said in the past that some of my old school friends used to have Terraria servers like on the occasional like sort of summer we would set up a server and and play terraria and build a world from scratch and then it would kind of fizzle out and we'd go and play different things and then we do the same thing like six months 12 months later start from scratch again and that's a game that i've never really been able to enjoy on my own but had loads of fun with uh when playing with friends so that's that's a big one for me actually mm-hmm. yeah nice. um I feel so, the yeah, same I way think, about Minecraft, actually. I don't think I can. Yeah. You can play it alone, but it's nowhere near as fun. Yeah, I suppose it is a lot more fun with, with friends. Um, I'm I'm quite happy in Minecraft solo as well, but uh, yeah, it's definitely better with with friends there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we we very much agree with Like a Glove that that is indeed a phenomenon that can happen yeah. with a lot of games. Absolutely. Good. Well... It's time to move on to that there gigantic discussion. It's time to grab a prop. Are you ready? Yeah. It's big discussion time. Big discussion. Big discussion time, everyone. My goodness, what a huge discussion. A huge thank you to everybody 
who submitted questions about the Xbox Series S. Obviously, since then, we've also had confirmation of the Xbox Series X's price too. So we're going to get into that. Here's a little blurb before we get to the various questions we have from the BBC. So obviously this is already outdated and may be even more outdated by the time this podcast comes out. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has confirmed that it will release a second next-generation console after a leak prompted it to unveil the Xbox Series S. It said that the machine would be the smallest Xbox ever. (laughs) The firm's UK, US and French Twitter accounts are among those to have subsequently confirmed local launch dates of the 10th of November. Company... Company watchers have said the advertised price is significantly lower than had been expected. Microsoft had said, uh, has said the machine is set to cost £250, £299 and €249. Euros. It is £50 more than the lowest priced version of the firm's existing Xbox One range. The company has yet to give a launch date or price for the larger and presumably more powerful Xbox Series X. Allow me to help you, the, the BBC. <laughs> it is $499 ERP. Is what it says there in the tweet that they Estimated put out. Estimated retail price, I guess. Yes. So four nine nine for the uh, Xbox Series X, two nine nine. This is dollars for the X, uh, Xbox Series S. Both releasing on the tenth of November, and pre-orders start from the twenty second of September. So there we go. That is the news that we have. What do you, what do you think, Peter? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I was saying to you before we started recording, actually, that it's difficult to truly understand where the value is like what you know to to what extent it's value for money with getting the s which is cheaper but like has less powerful components inside versus getting the x which is more expensive but is more powerful has a disc slot um you know i don't understand necessarily the specs of these consoles particularly well um you know, I've I've always made my decision on partly on price in terms of when I didn't buy the PS3, but mostly in terms of exclusives. Um, but um, you know, I think it's it's worth noting that we've got um, Xbox are offering the option for a discless uh, system, um, which the PlayStation are also doing, of course. Um, and uh, I don't know the thing that bothers me or worries me, I guess, is with the Series S, is the, number one, I think it looks a bit strange, with the big sort of circular dotty grill on the side. It looks like a speaker or something. Um, but on top of that, I feel like Microsoft are probably have the... I think the, the, the Xbox 360's reputation precedes it in terms of the red ring of death and hardware issues and, you know, a, a relatively low life expectancy. And I just wonder whether we might be facing the same thing with a console that is, like, over 50% smaller than um, the Series X and you know supposed to be able to run roughly like similar kinds of software um albeit to a, a lower grade i'm sure but i just wonder if it looks a bit too small and compact and it's like um trying to run um your 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 pc games um on a laptop you know where where it's like the laptop is designed so that yeah technically it can run your your high end pc games but it's going to be going the whole time, <laughs> right. so uh, I'm sure they've you know they've tested it, and maybe I'm I'm being a bit pessimistic, but I t- it looks very small and compact, and I worry about that. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, I guess at least not having to read a disc, that probably helps. If it's just running it digitally, that's that's I'm sure that makes it slightly easier uh, on the on the hardware. But yeah, I I, I have to see it to believe it that it's, um, you know, that it's going to run perfectly well and be good value for money. You would hope so. I've been playing Avengers, obviously, recently, and that game, when you are looking at the map with your various missions available, my PS4 Pro is just screaming God. in in agony. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so sick of that. It's so loud. And mm. uh, that's just... There is an element of, well, maybe you should take apart your console and dust it. But there's also an element of, uh, actually, no, I shouldn't have to do that. Maybe no. you should optimize your games a bit better. So I'm, I'm really hoping this new generation, on all on all counts, uh, the games are just better optimized and they just run better. Yeah. Uh, that's what I really like. I'm really excited, not necessarily to get myself an Xbox Series S, but that this is, it's finally happening. Mm. Stuff is Price actually wars. happening. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out what's going on. I am honestly very surprised by how cheap the Series S is, and I'm all, also sort of kind of surprised by how expensive the Series X is. Mm. I think they knew clearly that the Series X was going to be an expensive beast, and that they sort of had to offer an alternative that was going to be cheaper. Now I have no idea where the PS5, uh, you know, physical edition and digital edition is going to slot in here. But presumably the headache that Sony is now going to have is communicating to people that the reason their digital version isn't as cheap as the Series S, and presumably Microsoft is going to be taking a big hit on these consoles as well to, yeah. to get to get especially the Series S that cheap. The reason it's not going to it's definitely not going to be that cheap is because both the disc and discless versions of the PS5 are on par in terms of power. It's just that one of them doesn't have a disc drive, and yeah. you can just choose your preference. So that's going to be difficult for them to communicate. You've also got to bear in mind that the there's the vast number of people who have purchased PlayStation 4s and are already in the PlayStation ecosystem just want a place to play FIFA and Call of Duty. And if right. they see a way into the next generation, no matter how limited that may well that may be in the long term and even if, you know, people would really like the Series X, but it is out there price range, so they're going to get the Series S. That cheaper alternative is definitely, just by virtue of existing, going to be enough to tempt a lot of people to that yeah, console. Yeah, it's true. Um, so I don't think... I think it might be an uphill battle for Sony to get their messaging straight. And that's before you even get into the the details of uh, Game Pass and all the extra value that mm. Xbox are offering. They're coming at this very aggressively. And that's exciting because it means PlayStation are going to have to counter. And that's just better for everyone. Uh, so we will see how it plays out, hopefully not before this podcast releases. Uh, but either way, we do have some questions here to, to, to get into it a bit more. The first is from Trevor Price. With the Xbox Series S price being £250, it will be popular. However, it is slower and will for sure hold back the Series X when in multiplayer lobbies, etc. I hadn't thought of this, actually. That's true. God, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Because there is almost certainly a power disparity between the two, which there won't be between the disc and discless PS5, um, there will certainly be drawbacks to playing competitively, you would imagine, uh, between the Series S and the Series X. It may be negligible, but it might not be. But mm. equally, as I said, some people literally just want a games console. They want to get onto the next generation, and this is the cheapest way for them to do it. 
So they probably just wouldn't care, really, or yeah. even notice. Mm. You're right that I agree that it's it's cheaper. The Series S has uh, has a, a cheaper price tag than I expected. Um, and as a result, I think that the actual disparity between the two products is bigger than I expected. Um, so, you know, I, I wonder whether... I don't. It's it's again. It's just difficult to work out um, to to what extent one is more powerful than the other based on the price, based on um, you know purely the the actual act of of putting the thing together on the production line. You know that obviously affects the price of a product. So yeah, it will be interesting to actually see how they stack up next to each other in terms of load times and uh, and things like that, and whether that will affect. Um, multiplayer lobbies, you know, people with a Series X that they've paid $4.99 for waiting around for a game to load because there are other people with a Series S playing uh, whose whose session hasn't loaded in yet, you know. It's hmm. it's uh, it's an interesting point for sure. You have to um, believe that they've, that they've taken this into consideration already. But mm. as you said, you know, we, we won't be able to believe it until we see it running. You know, we're not going to be able to compare the two until we have them. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, and I'm going to say this a lot, it's always going to come back to, for a, for a lot of people, it's always just going to come back to the price. Yeah. People will see that and think, I can get onto the next generation now and save $200. And I don't really care if it loads slower. I just want to still be able to play my sports games. I still yes. want to be able to play my shooters. You know, I don't, I don't really care. I might not even have a 4K TV. I just want to be there and still be able to buy the games that I want. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Um it's it, it might it might sort of div- or not divide um the the audience in terms of set them off against each other, but it will it it's almost like there will be two groups. I think there's there's a um, while there is that kind of I just want to play FIFA kind of group that that will be very much enticed by the Series S, I think a lot of other people who are really in it for like high-end gaming experiences will look at the Series S and say, no, thank you, that's really not for me. Like that's what I feel about it. I mean, I'm you know I'm probably almost certainly not going to be swapping over to Xbox at all unless we get a price for PlayStation this week, which is eight hundred pounds. Um, but you know, if, if I look at that, uh, as, as an Xbox player, I can't see myself ever wanting to have a series S just knowing that it's, uh, you know, presumably nowhere near as powerful and not going to give you as good an experience. So, um, it's almost like there's going to be two completely different groups of Xbox players, um, as a result of this, uh, which is an interesting thing, I guess. There may well Um, be. There may well be. Do you want to get the next question? Yes, we've got a question from Richard Major who says, looks like the new Xbox Series consoles are going to cost $25 and $35 per month each that will include a, a, a monthly payment for the console and Game Pass. Um, yes. So uh, Microsoft has offered this before with their other consoles, or so I'm led mm. to believe when I looked into this. Uh, so again, it makes sense that there's a payment plan. And yeah. again, you know, if they talk this up, and they really, really get the message across loud and clear with the value of Game Pass and that that's going to be part of this monthly, you know, subscription or whatever, or monthly payment scheme, then that could also tempt in a lot of people. It will almost certainly end up costing more in the the long run than buying it outright because that's just how payment plans work. But not everyone can afford to drop $299 on something. 
No. Sometimes you you have to you have to cater to that audience, and that may well end up being sort of a master stroke of genius here, uh, especially when already offering the cheapest next gen console. Yeah. I yeah I I think that's again that's another thing. It's not just a case of uh, seeing that the Series S is two nine nine and thinking, as you say, you know, I just want to play FIFA and call. I'm going to get that. But seeing that it's twenty five dollars a month, um, and with that you get the hardware and a subscription to Game Pass. Mm-hmm. You know that that is actually a very very exciting prospect. I think for for a lot of people, um, yeah. certainly if PlayStation were offering something like that for a a lighter version of the PS5 with access to a huge catalogue of video games, that probably would actually be the thing that made me consider getting the lighter version. Still don't think I ever would, but, you know, that it's it's a really nice uh, way of um, spreading the cost. Uh, you know, $25 a month, that's like, uh, you know, some people pay that on their phone plan. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're you know they're they're paying off a handset and it's the same thing you're just paying off a paying off the console, I think that is definitely going to hook a lot of people in. So Sony really need to actually think quite carefully about what they uh, what they reveal as a price. And you know I think everyone knows that uh, Microsoft and Sony have been sitting uh, waiting for who's going to blink first, you know, and who's going to reveal their price. And so yeah, Microsoft went and did it. Uh, and now Sony have really got to answer to that. You know, if you're going to play that game and sit and wait and see what happens, then when it finally does happen and and your your opponent blinks first, you really have to answer properly then at that point and and impress people. I think so. Yeah, uh, it would be nice to see them try and undercut this. Well, let's uh, uh, let's talk about our our temptation towards a digital console with this question mm. from Brian Cahill. How much cheaper would an all-digital console have to be for you to consider it? I love having a physical copy of games, but a saving of $200 e-dues is quite a temptation. Uh, so <laughs> I want to sort of twist this slightly, not only answer the question, but also talk about where we think the the PS5 should land price-wise, including the digital version and mm. if that price would would be tempting yeah um i mean i expect i think oh, i don't know i'm i'm i've never been good at gauging uh, the the price of consoles i i think that at least not, like based on what xbox have revealed i think that uh the ps5 could actually get away with just matching the mm-hmm. series x price i don't think they necessarily have to undercut it at this point based on uh you know the fact they've got their exclusives on top of that um on the other hand though they're not offering a game pass style thing so maybe they do still have to try and undercut if they can um but you know what how how much cheaper would a a digital only version have to be for me i don't know i mean i also like having physical physical copies and obviously the 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 disc tray version of a ps5 will allow us to still download digital digital stuff so you get the best of both worlds i'm not sure that i would consider oh i I, that's that's a really tricky one for me because uh yeah i guess i guess if i was going to consider it it would have to be you know like 200 dollars cheaper or something like that Mm -hmm. um but even then that's only because it would almost be silly for me not to go for that kind of saving and still have access to all the same games and the same hardware. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, I don't know. That's a really tough one for me because I do love having physical copies of stuff. And I also, not just in terms of having it and having it on a shelf, but also knowing that I've got it there so that if there are, you know, connectivity issues when, I, you know, I want to just play a game or, you know, get you, you get home and you can just plug in and play kind of thing um, rather than, uh, you know, some of the issues you can have with, with digital games that, you know, they might they might eventually be taken off the store, for example, even though you own a, uh, you own the game. If you don't have it on your console, um, then you can no longer download it eventually after, after some years. Yeah, so, license um, agreements expire and yeah. games get taken down all the time and it happens a lot. Yeah. Um, but I totally agree. I think if if the PS5 can price match the Series X for the for the disc version, then they'll be they'll be laughing. Yeah. Um, because as we both said, that the Series X is is a little more expensive than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be quite a lot under four nine nine, and I was originally almost worried that the PS5 was going to hit four nine nine. So it may end up subverting our expectations and go the other way and the ps5 ends up being over 500 dollars. but if it is i feel like they they just need to eat that cost they can't do that that's they need to be they need to also be aggressive and competitive here in terms of the discless one i mean a lot of people have said that it it would probably be a 50 dollars saving but i think here again to be competitive they should probably split the difference and maybe go 399 so they're they're between the price of the the cheapest you know xbox series console yeah and the most mm. expensive and then there's a 100 dollars saving then uh, there and then again properly hammer home on the marketing that you are getting the same power as the full yeah. as the as the disc version you're just sacrificing access to a disc and then that option mm. is there because with the series s you know some of the stuff we haven't spoken about is yeah it's super cheap and yes, Game Pass is an option, but the hard drive isn't very big. It's like 500 and something gigabytes. Mm. Um, you're not going to, as as much as it seems silly to say it out loud, you're not going to be able to put your discs in it. Their Xbox Series consoles are, are backwards compatible, but if you have if you have a big back catalogue of games on disc, you're not going to be able to use them with the Series S. That's just not going to... Can't gonna... watch your Blu-rays on it either, which is what I do on my, on my PlayStation. You, know? you can't, I... can't do that either. Um, you'll obviously be able to stream things in 4K and that's, Mm. you know, a big, big appeal and Game Pass is going to be an option, but you will be removing stuff. Uh, I know that they've got uh, xCloud coming soon as well, so you're going to be able to stream all these games all over the place, but they're really going to have to make sure that works properly because my only experience with streaming games has been with PlayStation Now. And it's not good. It's not stable. And a lot of people who perhaps are locked out of getting a Series X because of being able to afford it may not have the best internet as well. There's a good chance no. that that's, that's also an issue for them. So that might that might be a problem. But I, I'm i not going to get a digital version of a console regardless of the price. I, I'm, I am dead set on getting the, the most feature-complete version of the PlayStation 5 when it comes out regardless of price. Um, yeah. That- and I just... Any... What, however, if if the 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 digital version is super cheap, then I would I would just appreciate that as a fantastic alternative for people who who want that. But I don't want that personally. Yeah, I agree. I mean that that's why I say it would have to be stupidly cheap for me to consider getting it. It's not going to be two hundred dollars cheaper just for removing a disc tray. But I think if it was, then maybe I, at, at that point I might just think, okay, look, I can save two hundred dollars for the same console. 
Um, but, uh, you know, the, the only reason that that is the difference with the Xbox is, of course, because the Series S is, uh, you know, has, has much cheaper hardware in it and is, is not as powerful. Whereas, as we've said, the, the PlayStation version is the same console, just without a disc tray. So uh, mm-hmm. it's not going to be that much cheaper. And therefore, I'm not going to be getting it, I don't think. Yeah. 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 Last question, Peter. Yes, last question. This is from Ernie Arrowsmith, our resident Lord of the Rings character. <laughs> Pricing sounds pretty reasonable for the specs, but will there be anything to play on it? Says Ernie. That's a, a great point. We talked about mm. this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think it could be understated just how huge of a loss it is for Xbox to not have Halo at, at, yeah. on launch because their launch lineup is is not looking good and... I'm not saying that just as a person who's going to get a PlayStation because we don't even know what the launch lineup is yet. If we, It's rumoured that we'll get Miles Morales and Demon's Souls, and, I mean, just those two games is a pretty damn good launch lineup just in and of themselves. You know, that, mm. that looks good. But we've seen how successful the PS4 was, or, the, or is, I should say, and the launch lineup for that was not great. Killzone Shadowfall yeah. was the only really big game there, and that was fine, you know? And it went on to be a generation that's had so many incredible exclusive games. And to have mm-hmm. two strong first-party games right out the gate with Ratchet & Clank following not too far behind would be amazing. And presumably, that is currently what we're waiting for in terms of a formal announcement from PlayStation, is that we haven't seen Demon Souls running properly yet we've just seen a trailer we haven't seen any sort of extended gameplay of that same goes for miles morales we've just seen trailers for them so you've got to assume that when they do announce it they'll they may well go all all playstation on us and do a big sort of reveal event showing off all the launch games and confirming them and then the price and that kind of stuff so that might be what the delay is here is is Mm. waiting for the right time to show that the right time is definitely very soon which is extremely exciting. But again, it comes back to with Xbox, as much as we can be forlorn that Halo isn't there, some people are just going to see 299 and just yeah. be all over that. And that's that's the end of the discussion for them. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but the, the, also, the interesting thing with launch titles, certainly with this upcoming generation, probably more so than ever before, although backwards compatibility has been a thing in the past with various consoles i think you you almost have to consider with the launch titles um of the ps5 and the xbox series x and s uh that any um late 2020 games that come out on the current generation will either have um a next gen version that will come out Mm. or will be just playable in terms of backwards compatibility. And so, you know, those games being so fresh um, when the consoles drop, they almost count as launch titles as well in and of themselves. So things like, um, you know, Crash, Cyberpunk, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what else is is due out. Assassin's Uh, Creed. Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know they're not exclusives. but I don't know. Has that been delayed? I don't know. I think it's still on course. It was at the... Ubisoft Forward event the other day. But, um, oh, speaking of which, sorry to cut you off very quickly. There's another one of those tonight, so this will be even more out of date. This podcast by the time, by the time it releases. Yeah. Um, so you know, if if you factor those in as well, um, whether they're exclusives or not, you know that 
that kind of contributes to each console's um, launch lineup in a sense. So um, that kind of that, that's a factor. But you're right in terms of like the true you know launch titles of the next generation. Yeah, Microsoft will be will be feeling very sad that they've lost Halo for launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I I honestly I'm struggling to actually remember what else there is at Medium. launch for Xbox. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's that's right. sort of the only one that jumps to mind because that mm. that was the one that interested me. But that's not going to sell consoles. No. But two nine nine. So <laughs> does it matter? I'd argue it does. It definitely argues to probably uh, argues. It definitely matters to probably a lot of people listening to this podcast, unless they're already, you know, much like we are embedded in the PlayStation ecosystem. If they're already embedded in the Xbox ecosystem, the decision is made. You're going to stay where you are, and that's absolutely fine. Mm. But to people who are tempted by value, uh, whether that be, be financial or just the quality of the games you're going to be able to play on those on those platforms, be they exclusive or not, this will almost certainly matter, you know, that, that there's no Halo there and that their launch lineup perhaps is looking a little soft now. Um, again, we don't know what PlayStations is, but if Mars Morales and Demon Souls are in there, I would argue that, that a, a strong launch lineup that would make yeah, and there's there's even there's different kinds of uh, how how value can affect someone's decision as well. So uh, with me with the with the 360 and the uh, the PS3, it was it wasn't so much that one of them was um, seemed very cheap. It was that the other one to me seemed overpriced. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas here what we're dealing with is I don't think anything seems. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess the Series X is a bit more than we expected, but I don't think it's ludicrous. Uh, and, you know, if the PS5 matches the Series X price, again, not stupidly overpriced, whereas we're dealing with, when you look at the Series S, as you say, it's something that's cheaper than expected, which is a rare thing. I guess it feels like we've not had that since, like, the PS1 era, really, for mm-hmm. a console. Like, no one's gone, wow, that's really cheap Yeah, uh, for a long time with a console. So, uh, yeah, it will be very interesting to see who buys what and for what reason. It is sort of unprecedented, though, you know, the value proposition of the Series S. And it will be really interesting to see how it plays out. We were talking about it in our office uh, group chat, the Triple Jump uh, work chat um, Mm. on our instant messaging service about how Microsoft is almost certainly taking a big hit on the price of the Series S even though it's, you know, obviously cheaper to manufacture than the Series X, they're definitely taking yeah. a hit on it. And their gamble here is to is to just sort of get as many people on Game Pass as possible mm. uh, when surely you would imagine that traditional software sales probably brings in more money per unit than someone who's just subscribed to Game Pass and can make and can play anything, you know? So it's super good value for the consumer, but at the same time, it's a really interesting gambit from Microsoft who are playing this, not only this sort of untested approach, but also a really long game here in trying to get as many people onto Game Pass as possible. When again, you know, you've got to assume that just selling individual copies of Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to bring in more money in the short term. Mm. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I guess... um... I mean, it depends. Like, so, d- what's the deal with um, the 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 monthly thing? Is is that do you like eventually pay off the console and then it gets cheaper, or are you just gonna forever be paying thirty five pounds at thirty five dollars a month? 
I'm not um, entirely sure. I don't think you're yeah. just going to be paying that forever. But the price of Game so. Pass per month is is not thirty five. You know, I, no. I imagine after that it will just roll on to the cost of Game Pass, and then you're just yeah, you'd have, you would have thought so. Um, but it depends whether, as you say, you know, sometimes you pay a bit more for finance, so there's there's a little bit more money maybe to be made back there if if ultimately you're paying more. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, you have to think. What is the value of um, lots of people paying, you know, medium amounts of money every month versus um, certain people sinking or, or spending a, a, a big lump sum on a on a big game, but then maybe not buying a game for the next month or so? You know, it's mm-hmm. all kind of you got to weigh it all up in terms of um, frequency of of payment as much as like the size of each payment as well. Yeah, because um, some people don't buy a game uh, for for months at a time, so. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. We'll see how this all shakes out. Hopefully, we'll hear from PlayStation very soon. It, it's got to be in the next couple of weeks. It just it Surely. has to be. You know, if they're releasing, they're running out of time. They are. If they're releasing in a couple of months, we need to know about it. Yeah, and they were almost certainly waiting for Xbox to go first. So now they have, and hopefully, in the next fortnight, we will know where PlayStation stands. But so much has happened recently that this this sort of I don't want to call it a console race, you know. But it's got it's got way more interesting to watch with the aggressive pricing um, of the of the Series S. And if Microsoft can nail the marketing, they stand a really good chance of doing extremely well at launch. And PlayStation mm. has to answer, and that is just good for the consumer all around. So we will see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And there we go. Thank you so much <sighs> for listening, everybody. Please uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments below if you're watching the YouTube version. Alternatively, you can reach out to us and find us in the following places. Yes, all of our content goes out on YouTube and Twitch. That's youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. We do videos on YouTube and we stream on both. And when we stream on both, we're modded by Lord Brotovich, Cecil Prumps, Mads Didactyl and Trowling Badger. Thank you all. Uh, we've got social media at twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Facebook looked after by Luke Eldon, who continues to do an excellent job. Patreon uh, is, uh, we, we've got all kinds of rewards available over there. Patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. We've got a discord, bit.ly forward slash team triple jump. That's modded by Jack and Joe. Uh, we have got the podcast available in audio form at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. There's the website triple j.mup. That's triple ju.mp. If you put a little forward slash shop on the end of that, you will get to the store where we sell interesting merchandise, including a swimming costume. What? Mm. Um, and finally, uh, triple j.mup forward slash vods is where you can get. Uh, redirected to our VODs channel on YouTube, where all of our live stream VODs get uploaded. Absolutely. We had a bit of an issue with our website the past couple of weeks. We but did. it looks mm. like it might be live again now. So if, oh, it's, uh, if it's being funny for you, please bear with us. We've we've had all sorts of problems with our hosting, so we've just uh, been trying to sort that out. But it should be sorted now. Fingers crossed. Mm. You can follow us on Instagram. Peter is at that Peter Austin and also at that Peter Austin on Twitter. I'm just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday. Streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Thursday being the joint streams plays it on youtube monday and friday being solo twitch streams worst games ever is fortnightly friday for patrons sunday for everyone else podcast is every saturday and we do different content every other week to sort of dot dot around 
Please leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with algorithms. Mm. All sorts of stuff going out this week. Uh, yeah. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 and also Kingdom of Amalur Quipscope videos where you can see some gameplay and listen to our full impressions of each. Those are on the channel. Uh, there's a brand new What It Means to Me all about Shadow of the Colossus featuring yes. our good friend from Gearbox Software, Patrick Fenn. So if you want to go give that a watch, please do. It's very good. And later on today at the time of release... There is mm. a brand new ranked video all about Nintendo franchises. We're ranking every single exclusive Nintendo franchise from worst to best. It's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a really good one. And it will be live later today. So please go and watch that too. So mm. much to look forward to. Indeed. So, I sounded like there was a comma there. So I was waiting. For... No, just, <laughs> so much to look forward to. But uh, but but uh, then it all it all goes rubbish next week when we uh, the channel's closing down. Yeah, it's and, we're closing uh, down the channel. That's it's, it. It's no, over. don't worry, it's, it's not happening. It's all sorted. Um, so much to look forward to and and ongoing in the coming weeks too. So stick with us on all of our things that were just mentioned, and uh, that leaves probably just enough time mm. for me to um, do another ad read of our sponsor. Let me just. Uh, Oh yeah. Uh, oh yes. Uh, Tony Hawk, world famous celebrity for reasons that are don't worry about why he's famous. He is doing a special school where you can learn how to make a roof. It's Tony Hawk's Pro Slater Rerafted One One and Two. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it, I guess like a roof is kind of ramp shaped. Yeah. So. Yes. I'm fairly sure you can go on roofs in some Tony Hawk's games. You can. Yeah, definitely. It's where the secret tape is in some levels. Well, there you are. Look at that. Mm. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please look after yourselves, and we will see you again next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.